Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have Matthew on the other line, who's 21 years old and lives in Texas. What's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing well. Um, so I've, uh, I haven't met you, but I've talked to your mom quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and this has kind of been a, like a journey for you to kind of open up and, and kind of share your story and, and now you're doing it. Um, so which I'm super excited about. And, uh, so kind of how, like kind of jump right in, right, right in, like, um, how did you find out that you had Kleinfelder syndrome? Yeah. So I, my entire life, I've been like super fragile. I've broken a lot of bones, uh, had a lot of concussions. Um, we went in for like an MRI or something. And the, the doctor actually said that there was something off, something not right. Uh, now when I was born, they actually said that I might have Kleinfelter syndrome. Um, but they never confirmed it. It was just kind of like in the air. Um, and then, so the MRI, we did some, they did testing or something. And then, I really don't remember it just because, like I said, I've had a lot of concussions, so my memory's kind of whack. But, um, no, we uh, did MRIs or something and then uh, ended up finding out I had crime filters um, back in 2017. I think it was right before I turned 17. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been kind of like, it was nice finding out, but sometimes it really sucks because I didn't want to know why I was. So, so I'm six foot seven, I'm 190 pounds, I'm lanky, and I've never really been able to put on weight or muscle. Uh, I never knew why, and also I wanted to know why like, I was so like fragile. Uh, like I, I broke, I've broken bones from very simple stuff. Um, so finding out that I had client filters, it was scary, but kind of relieving at the same time after I knew like not the symptoms, I guess, yeah, I guess like the symptoms or whatever from clan filters. Uh, so yeah, when we first found out, my parents were kind of scared because when we like initially looked up what clan filter syndrome was, like the worst possible things came up. And my mom was like, no, like my son doesn't have those, like those symptoms. He doesn't have clan filters. So after my mom, I mean, you've talked to my mom, she did a lot of digging, uh, lot of research just to try to find out um what crime filter syndrome was uh so after after a while uh we sat down and she just kind of told me what it was uh now at the doctor's office when they were telling me like yeah you're gonna be fragile you can't put on weight or muscle like every other teenager you have to work extra extra hard that was kind of hard to hear but kind of relieving just so i knew like okay this is why it's so hard for me but um i definitely know the the hardest part about it was when they said that i would most likely be infertile uh you know when you're 17 or about to turn 17 and you're thinking oh my gosh like what do i do with my life and you got all this stuff but my main dream my one of my biggest dreams as a kid ever since i've been a kid i was to become a father and so basically when they told me like hey like you are most likely not going to be able to have kids that that was really the turning point one of the turning points of my life like I just became super depressed after that uh I didn't understand um I am a Christian so 
but it was also like very hard in my face just because I was like, why me? Like, why? Because I, I don't know. I just one of my biggest dreams, like I said, like, to have kids, to get married, and live that life, live the father life. So I was really just questioning, like, why would you do this to me? And it really put a put like a weight on my shoulders. And then my mom, she just, I'm in my, I guess my parents just felt so bad. But I mean, you know, it's not their fault. But no, it that was probably the hardest part of me finding out that I had Kleinfelders. And then um, after that, sorry, my my mom just went blank. No, it's okay. You're you're just talking about how you got, um, you just kind of found out that you had XXY Kleinfelders at. 17 and then once your parents did a bunch of research to actually find out you know what it is um they kind of talked to you about it but also like the doctors told you that you were infertile um Mm -hmm. and how you were just it's it devastated you because ever since you've been wanting like younger you've been wanting to have family yeah okay yeah i remember now uh thank you so yeah basically that just tore me apart and but uh they said I said, is there any way, like, I can't have kids? And they said that, I forgot what the medical t- term or the procedure is, but basically I get, I get surgery, and uh, basically, like, they freeze any um, sperm or whatever that they find. Uh, so I ended up having surgery on my, on my like, the tissues of, like, my testicles, and that's where they found, they actually found, um, semen so I think that procedure was in like 2018 or 19 I can't remember but ever since then uh yeah I've been paying monthly for that so it's also like hard because even though yeah we did find some um they said it's a 50 50 chance so really I'm trying to keep like a positive mindset thinking like, okay, like, yeah, it is possible, but then I also am an overthinker, so it's also like, okay, but what if I, so I already can't have kids, so what if I'm paying all this, Not it's not a lot of money, but if I'm paying monthly and if I'm really investing in something like this just for the outcome that I'm not able to, it, that's always the back of my mind. Um, so yeah, there, there's that part of just finding out and just be, being devastated. But um, it's cool because I, so I'm, I'm dating this girl, her name's Taya, and she's probably one of my biggest supporters besides my mom. So when I, before I started dating her, I was really scared what she would say. Um, so when I sat down and I had a conversation with her, I just let her know about climate filters and uh, like, you know, my symptoms of it, <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, she basically said that she didn't care, like, she, she loved me for me, so I was, I initially was scared just telling her, like, hey, I can't have kids because of this, you know, so I was really scared that she would leave me, but, now she, she's a big supporter, she's like, it's okay, I love you for who you are, she was very acceptive of it, um, and then she's like, if you want to adopt in the future, we can adopt. Like, just because you can't have kids doesn't mean I'm like, I'm going to love you any less. 
So that was just a big turning point in my life. Um, just because I love this girl with all my heart and I didn't want to tell her yet. I didn't know when. So when I did, I didn't know if it was like, oh my gosh, like how is she going to react? Um, but no, she, she's very supportive. I'm very thankful for that. Um, so yeah, before, before I keep going on, do you have any questions? So I'm not just kind of like rambling. No, no, I was going to, I was kind of like going to ask, you know, um, how long have you guys been dating and, and when, Mm -hmm. when did you decide to tell her in that time frame? Yeah. So we've been dating for a year and I want to say it's been a year and two months. Let's see. Oh, sorry. A year and three months. So yeah, a year and three months we've been dating. Um, we talked for about two months and my, my initial thing. So I've had one other girlfriend, so I've had one ex and my thing is like, I date on the, uh, idea of marriage. So I don't just like sleep around. I don't just go date like random girls for a couple months. Like when I date, I really try to invest my time in them, get to know them and possibly down the road, marry them. So, uh, my so my actually my first girlfriend she knew about it because we were dating at the time when I had found out and um, you know she was also very accepting of it so I was also really grateful of that and we didn't work out we broke up on good terms she's actually married now which is crazy to think but um, my girlfriend now Kaya um, now she yeah we've been dating a year yeah year and three months. We, I told her probably about a month and a half after we started talking. Um, and it was funny because we actually met, we met on Tinder, right? Uh, but the thing is, I wasn't looking for a relationship. I wasn't looking for hookups or nothing. I specifically on my bio was like, I'm looking for friends because, um, I had moved away for quite some time. And then when I came back to Denton, which was, is my hometown. I was just, I felt like super lonely. So I got Tinder looking for friends. Her friends, she lost a bet and ended up getting Tinder off that bet. And that's how we met. Um, so we talked about two weeks before we actually met up with each other. And um, I met some of her friends that day. And then ever since then, it's been really good. Um and we've already we've talked about marriage. We've talked about waiting till she's done with college, um, and I'm not ready yet. But when, but it, it it'll be soon. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. The power of the yeah. the power of the internet. It's amazing. <laughs> I know, right? So rad. Um. So how like once I know that you come from like a diverse family. So can you talk a little bit about that and how? How like getting the diagnosis and then having your sister's support around you and and can you kind of let us know about your family? Yeah, so my family. So I have my oldest sister has Down syndrome. She's thirty one now. Um, her name's Erin. So my mom, uh, her and her first husband had Erin, and then they split off and. Then she married my dad, Matt. Then then they had so they had me, and then when I was I want to say when I was like two or three, they adopted my sister Jessica, 
from Guatemala when she was seven. Um, and then two years after that, after I was born, uh, so like right after, like during the adoption process, they had my little sister, Emily. So I have two older sisters. So they're basically both adopted. They're basically like half sisters, but I don't see them as half sisters. I've treated them like my full sisters my entire life. I don't see them any different. I don't see Jessica as adopted. I see her as like my full sister. And then we had uh, our youngest Emily. So when I found out, it was it was very embarrassing when I found out. I didn't want to tell people. I didn't want to. I didn't want my friends to know I had chronic ulcers. I didn't want like my sisters to know because you know as a man you you like take pride in who you are. But when you find out you have a disability or something, especially like so late in your age, it that, for me it was just very embarrassing. Um, I didn't know how to tell them, so I think it was like two weeks after we found out they knew something was going on because of all the doctor visits and uh, all the time I was away from home and me and my mom always went somewhere. They were kind of curious. So we ended up sitting down and I didn't want to say nothing just because like I said, I was very embarrassed. Uh, I wanted to cry. So my mom ended up explaining to them what client soldiers was Um and then she told them what she told me. When you first look up Klein filters, it shows like the worst possible symptoms. It shows like, I mean, basically stuff that I didn't have. So they, so they were scared like of certain stuff. And then uh, my mom explained to them that's not what I have. Klein filters goes deeper than that. So, so. Uh, yeah, basically, I was sitting on the couch wanting to cry. I was very embarrassed. Um, so after the conversation, they all got up. They all hugged me. And they said, you're a sure, brother. Like, we don't see you any differently. We're not going to treat you any differently. Um, and that was really a relief because I, I don't like pity. I don't like people pitying me for stuff. I, I've always hated that. But I didn't want them to treat me any differently. Um, so that's really my main concern or I didn't want them to judge me uh, but they didn't so and that was years ago today I'm pretty sure they like basically forgot I have client filters so we don't ever bring it up but if we do it's like now it's something that I'm not embarrassed to talk about um, so like sometimes they have questions and I'll like I'll love to answer it for them so yeah when I when I first found out I had like I said when I first found out I had client filters I was very embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. But now, like, if, like I'm on a podcast with you today, which is crazy. Because if I would have thought I would have been on a podcast years ago, I would have been like, no, that's not, whatever. I ain't doing that. But now I'm very open to it. Um, so, yeah, that, what, that's about. What kind of, what, what were you embarrassed by? Um, basically, just, the probably the not having kids part just that I you know as a young man every most guys dreams is to become a father right so I was just really embarrassed on that and also like people don't know this this is not part of like my story or whatever but I mean this is a 
the crime social community, so I don't mind sharing it, but like I have I have small testicles and I've always been like, Why? You know, like growing up and before I was homeschooled, growing up in like middle school or whatever, you would see like in the locker room or whatever, you see like other dudes, you know, naked, right? And there I was always the one that took the shower last or whatever because I was just embarrassed. Um because they never they never like descended. They've always been like super like uh, high and tight. Uh, yeah, it's that. And they've been like small. So like that was another thing I was very, very embarrassed by. Um just because like, you know, when you're a young kid you make inappropriate jokes, you like whose balls are bigger or whatever. But I never I never like really I don't know how to explain it anyway but I I basically kind of like stayed like quiet and hidden because I didn't want anybody to see them I didn't want anybody to know so that was like the main thing I was embarrassed about I didn't tell my sisters that obviously but because I was in just weird but I was mainly just embarrassed by not having kids and now I've I have put on weight and I have put on a little bit of muscle, but I've also had to eat a lot of food. Like I'm like I said, I'm six foot seven. Um I think I just hit one ninety five, which is the most I've ever weighed in my entire life. But I've had to really eat. Like I've probably eaten about four thirty five to four thousand calories a day. Um I'm just like a human vacuum for food. <laughs> And it's, it's expensive, but whatever. Um, and then working out, you know, I'm, I'm looking better. I'm building arm muscle. My legs are getting a little bit bigger. But the weird thing is, it's <laughs> so weird, but after all the food and all the, the weight I've tried to gain, everything is going to my butt, which I, I don't know. It's weird. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's kind of, it's, it's interesting, like going, like you talking about your story and, and, talking about like high school and locker room and stuff like that. And looking back at my life, like, yeah, I kind of have some of the same experiences of kind of avoiding the locker room or changing. We didn't really have, we didn't have showers. They finally got rid of all that stuff when I was in high school, but um, they kind of the locker room, even locker rooms at gyms and stuff like that, where dudes just walk around naked. It's always been kind of like this, like I'm, I'm not self-conscious. I I've learned, I've learned to embrace the small testicles. I I'm, I've learned that women, um, women when you're dating um and granted that you've you know you've only had two this is your second girlfriend and i'm sure she doesn't mind at all um but mm-hmm. women are like the small testicle thing is like the most amazing thing in the world um it's it's not a a massive it's not a big deal mm-hmm. um it's something that i think like you, you learn to just in, and the older you get like the the more the less you care about other guys and their junk and the more that yep. you care about yourself and I've never yep. had a girl tell me, I wish I, I wish you had bigger balls. <laughs> so, yeah, that, and the, so with my ex, so my initial goal when I was younger was to wait till marriage. So my ex, I never, even like with my ex, so like while I was single, I never had sex. Um, but yes, I did. So Kaya, my current girlfriend, and, Hopefully, uh, my future wife. Um, so we actually took each other's virginities, and that was my. I didn't want. I wanted to, like, 
I have a sex drive, obviously, I'm a dude, but I didn't want to just because of what I thought she would think of me, you know, just like the small testicles. I just, I thought it was going to be very embarrassing. Um, not trying to be weird, but I make up for another thing. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wasn't really that. So, yeah, the testicles, I was worried about that. But um, it was really some of the most awkward conversations was with my mom, just because, like, yeah, she is my number one supporter. She's, oh my gosh, I mean, you've talked to her. Like, the things that she has done for me have been incredible. Like, uh, she's just, she's so awesome. But yeah, so, and my dad, he's trying to understand client shelters, so he's always working. My mom's a stay at home mom because of my sister, Erin, with Down syndrome. So she's always been a stay-at-home mom. So she's been able to do a lot more research. Uh, so we've had conversations, and she was like, so I think the most awkward one was when she was talking about the small testicles. I was like, I don't want to talk about this with my mom, you know? But uh, but we did, and she was like, it's not embarrassing. And she's like, honestly, like, I don't know. I really don't know how to explain it over podcast. It's just awkward. But basically, she was like, girls don't care about your testicle size. They really don't. And I just, I never knew that. And I was thinking like, oh, girls, like, like you know, they like big junk, you know. Uh, but no, she said that that wasn't the case. And then I'm not going to go like too into detail with my girlfriend. But yeah, it basically, for guys listening, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And you said like, when you get older, you start, stop caring about, other people's, you know, junk. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't care about this junk. I don't really care. But like in the gym, like when I go to the gym, there's, yeah, there's open showers. Uh, like there's like a curtain for it, and you walk over and you grab your clothes. So yeah, I see guys just butt naked all the time. I would never do that just because I'm not ashamed of it anymore, or I'm not embarrassed by it. But I still think it's weird. So I just don't do that. But, uh, no, when you first find out, you're definitely embarrassed. You're definitely like, oh, about client soldiers, but, um, you're embarrassed. But really, like, I don't mind sharing my story now. Like I said, years ago, I never thought I'd be on a podcast. I wouldn't, I'd, I don't like telling people, but I've had people from, um, uh, Instagram hit me up and I've, I've talked to a few guys and it's cool because, at one thing, I thought it was, so I saw it as a disability, and now I see it as a way to help other people. So like, what my mom does on Instagram and on Facebook is when people, when so she's part of a mom group, and so when they're like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm pregnant, I just found out my son has uh, Klein filters, this is a bad thing, there's some people that are very negative about it and then she's like she directs them like direct messages them she calls them and she's just basically like hey like it's not bad like your son is your son you're you know um because when aaron was born my sister with down syndrome they just told my mom to abort her like the doctors really literally telling them to like abort her just because she had down syndrome 
And my mom was like, no, like, this is my child. Like, I made her. This is my child. I'm having my child. And after, I think it was like a couple of weeks before she gave birth, they were, they were just like, hey, like, she might not make it. She's going to have heart problems and stuff. And she's like, well, we're going to try. And so now, looking back, <clears throat> they predicted that she wouldn't make it until, like, the age of two. Well, now she's 31, one of the happiest people alive, um, one of the most caring, and one of the best sisters I could have ever asked for. So, like, that's just another thing is <clears> – sorry, I, I go on – no go f- you're, you're doing you're doing great dude it's just keep keep uh keep talking it's totally okay so yeah so that that was what my mom does um she like i said she's a big supporter my girlfriend i was talking about me sharing my uh my story so yeah so sorry yeah i just you know i just start talking i just forget what I'm, the reason why i'm talking so yeah um so kind of oh, go ahead. No, I was just go ahead. Go ahead. I was say yeah. I've talked to quite a few people. Um, it's really a blessing now because I love I love helping people no matter what it is. I'm not trying to get a pat on my back, but last night it was storming like one of the worst storms I've seen in a while here in Texas, and uh, we we're at Walmart just waiting for this woman to pass by. Go in, but this old lady was like walking. Get soaked. I ended up carrying her groceries for her, put them in a car while she's dried off. That's just like who I am. I love helping people, and I don't care if anybody's watching. Uh, I don't need fame. I don't need glory. Whatever. <clears throat> so when people direct message me, it's just like it really like helps my heart. Like oh my gosh, like this made my day because I get a they get to share their story with me. I get to share my story, and like I said, something I saw as a burden. Now I'm seeing it as like a way to help people because I know what they're going through. I know what they're dealing with. I know the depression. I know the anxiety. I know what they're feeling like to a personal level because I've been there. So it was really nice to like really just kind of help other people in their journey of with a clinic older. You know, you mentioned your mom, like actually this morning, I, a, a mom messaged me and said that she's like 14 or 16 weeks pregnant. And they just got a confirmation and your mom's part of a, a group, um, like a text group that I created for, with a nonprofit. And so I sent her a message saying like, Hey, here's this mom. She's from Chicago. Like, can you, you know, do your magic? So I know that we've talked about that. I know that she's been dying to more publicly share kind of your guys experience and your guys story, but she's been very respectful of you and your story and waiting for you when the right moment was for you to kind of open up and share. And, um, it's really incredible to be 21 and to, I kind of know like a lot of the kids between like 16 and 25 that either find out at the time you did, or they knew earlier, um, kind of have that like, embarrassment they don't want to talk about it with their parents they don't want to feel different than the rest of their friends they don't want to like they don't want to be involved in any way at all and they kind of isolate themselves and um and like we know what's going on because we live it we know what that life feels like um and so it's awesome to see like over the time period of from your diagnosis till now of 
learning to embrace it, learning to like be yourself and then know, like realizing like, yeah, I like to help people. Why not help people that are just like me? Um, and it's really powerful to like, just put it out there and not, not worry about all the negatives of what people will possibly say and, and really embrace like the, the aspect of knowing that there's like thousands of guys your age that are like, they're just dying to be heard. Mm-hmm. So kind of yeah. what, um, what kind of made, what clicked over for you? Like what made you realize that you could like, you have this voice, you have like this diagnosis, you've saw, you've seen all the crap online. That's not you. What made you kind of click over and want to share? Really? Like I said, it was my mom. Uh, because I think, even though I have crying filters, I didn't know that much about it, even though I, what she's been telling me. So she was, she's basically like, so she's put in like so much work and she shares the stories of her helping other moms and helping other people. And I'm just sitting over here doing nothing. And I just saw that. I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like I have this and it's not bad. I, I'm not make, I'm not trying to make it sound bad. Like having crying filters, there's nothing wrong with having crying filters. I when you first find out about it or whatever, you might be like, dude, this is so embarrassing. Like I have this, like I can't tell anybody. Like all my close, like I don't have many friends, because um, it's just hard for me to trust people. Um, but the friends that I do have, they know I have it. Like I'm, I'm actually looking into getting a a, a 47 tattoo on my back. So I'm, I'm thinking about getting a consultant tattoo, like, just because I want to embrace it. Like, I have something that people don't understand, and I'm just, like, wanting to be, like, an encouragement and to be, like, a, like a beacon just to tell, like, other guys, like, it's okay to have this, right? So, yeah, it was my mom, because I just saw her doing so much. She just started sharing me, hey, like there's this mom today i think i really helped um she wants to talk to you if that's okay so like i'll talk to her, the mom and uh or a lot of times she's um she's like hey i'm talking to the mom right now they just found out their son had con filters do you mind talking and that's how i really got started to talk to people was just through my mom and then after that i know like you posted me on uh instagram before and then people like will add me off of that and then I'll just message them and be like, Hey, like, what's up? Like, how are you doing? And then we'll just kind of get talk, uh, start talking from there. So I really see it's crazy because like I said, years ago, I saw it as a burden on my life. And now it's something that I'm proud of, proud of having because, uh, God has a plan for everyone and he doesn't make mistakes. I thought it was a mistake when I first found out, but now I see it as this because I've always wanted to help people, and I don't, I don't know how I could do that. But now I see this as the opportunity to help other guys my age because, like I said earlier, like I know what they're feeling, I know the struggles. So it's really like I'm not just giving them advice; I'm giving them personal advice that stuff that I've been through and, and I've overcome. So really. I just kind of see that as I can be an encouragement to other people uh, and maybe like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like just an encouragement and 
I don't want people to deal with this alone because that's what I did um, until I had my mom help me out. But yeah, it's just, I've been there. I've done that. But now I see it as, excuse me. I don't know. I just see it like I don't have a disability anymore. It's just kind of something, it's just a part of me, I guess. It's like, yeah, I have two arms, I have two legs, I have chronic ulcers, like, what, you know? Uh, I really don't see it as a disability anymore. I don't see it as something I should be depressed about. Um, so I just kind of want to tell, like, other people that I just want to let them know, like, it's going to be okay. Uh, it's going to suck when you first find out. It is. But, like, I've kind of, like, grown in over some stuff. So. What, um, what was it like telling your, fr- like, I understand the, the aspect of like not having very many friends uh, due to trust, having like major trust issues, especially being taken advantage of because we're definitely nice, really nice people and generally like to help all types of people. And we don't really, sometimes we don't see that people are taking advantage of, of us that we want to help, that we're helping. Um, mm-hmm. and how was it telling the few friends that you do have about Kleinfelter? Was it recent or has it been since, has it been since diagnosis? Like how was, how was that for you kind of opening it up and telling your friends and kind of just in that environment? Yeah. So I, I was very nervous. So like my, I've got like three best friends, like, so I've got their uh, Avia, who lives in Georgia, Hayden, who lives here in Texas, and uh, Caden. He's actually in the Marines right now. I'm pretty sure he's in North Carolina. So um, when they came, so Avia used to live down here. He he's been a one of my closest friends since 2011. Uh, so when I found out, he saw that I was struggling. And he's like, hey, what's going on? And I didn't want to tell him because, I, like I said, I don't want pity. I don't want anybody treating me any differently. And after I told him, <coughs> excuse me, he's like, I don't care. Like, so? Like, if you want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. But they kind of all have that same reaction. Like, we're not going to treat you any differently. We're not going to see you as a different person. We're not going to stop being mean to you, you know, just because, like, I'm very, we're very sarcastic with each other. We make uh, we make a lot of jokes, you know. We pick on each other, so <laughs> that was funny because one of my so Caden in the Marines, uh, he doesn't have a filter, and he's the funniest dude alive. Where and uh, so he'll make he'll make jokes. Like we'll be just roasting the crap out of each other while we're playing uh, Xbox or whatever, and then so. We'll do like, oh, imagine not being able to do this or imagine not being able to do that. So he goes, imagine not being able to have kids. Like, he'll say that. And this, that would have bothered me like years ago, but now it's like, it's just kind of funny. I don't know how to explain it, but like, uh, you know, telling, telling my friends, I didn't know how to tell them. Like, so I just like call them and like, hey, by the way, do I like go up in person? Cause I, like I said, I'm an over, I'm, overthinking so i'm just like okay how are they going to react uh how am i going to tell them but i ended up just like saying hey to hayden he's been my best friend i've known him since we were three and we were still very close i was like hey bro like 
because he asked me what's been going on. I'm like, hey, so this is what's been going on. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of telling them really put, like, weight off my shoulders. Um, and because I don't want to, like, keep stuff from them. But they've, they've been supportive. The, so my buddy Hayden, he, he goes to the gym every single day. He's a big, like, gym freak. So I've told him, I'm like, you know, I, I can't gain weight or muscle as easy as the average teenager can. Uh, the average dude, I have to work extra hard. So when we go to the gym, he puts extra stuff on me. He makes me do more sets. He, like he's very supportive of me of me as well. So telling the friends part, I just kind of overthought it, thinking, are they gonna judge me? Whatever. And but if they are truly your friends, they're not gonna care. They're not gonna judge you for it. They're not gonna tell other people like they're gonna be there for you no matter what. So that's that's why I'm very grateful to have the friends that I have. Um, behind my back so i mean that's that's super that's super awesome to be able to have the weight lifted off your shoulders to be able to tell your friends and you you even though you have trust issues you have some core friends and that they all were there for you and and instead of there's a lot of families out there that fear like telling family members or friends because and a lot of guys also because they're afraid that other people might judge them but I don't think people realize like how much support they're going to get. And the judgment, the judgment is most likely not going to be there. Like they think it is. Um, and that's like, that's so amazing to be able to just open up. And, and then what it does is it helps you embrace who you are even more. And then over the time, as time goes on, you're able to tell more and more people and, and not, not really make a big deal about it. Like, and then you get to the point where you're like, want to educate people around you and you'll just bring it up in random conversation. You'll, you'll, you'll find a way to always kind of like try to talk about it in some aspects. Um, I'm curious about a couple of things, just going back when you did, um, when you found out and you did the micro test surgery where they like go into your testicles and kind of extract sperm. Can you kind of mm -hmm. talk about what that was like for you? Um, just the, the actual surgery and emotional kind of the emotional aspect of, I know that you wanted to be a father, so you really you were kind of willing to do this regardless. But how was it, kind of emotionally, and then what was it after, like of the surgery? You know, it was very nerve wracking. Um, it was it was nice to think, okay, there is. So before the surgery, obviously, I didn't know because I didn't want to get my hopes up into like, yeah, they're they're the fine turtle. Um, but I always going into something i just prepare for the worst just because i don't want to i don't like getting my hopes up for something and then it's just not working out so i automatically was like okay they're not going to find anything uh so we we did the surgery my my parents were there my i think i think my sisters were there i can't remember but i was just very nervous going into it uh and then obviously after i woke up they said i think they said it's gonna be a couple of days so we found out so we went home that night and my entire family got together and we just sat down and we prayed about it. Um, and then i we also prayed about if, you know, if they didn't find anything fertile that I would be okay that, you know, we would get through it as a family because I'm the only boy. Um, 
all my cousins are girls. I'm really the only one that can carry on the, like the Keller name. So that that was also a big thing I was worried about then. Um, I was very nervous about just carrying on my blood. Um, but yeah, I think so. A couple of days after, actually, I think it was like three days after, um, I ended up fishing uh, a tournament. Um, I was supposed to be on bed rest, kind of like laying down and chilling. But I used to do a bass fishing tournament, so I actually had a tournament that day, or like three days after. So I ended up fishing that, and I think we did pretty good. Um, anyway, um, did you have yeah, pain? Did you have any pain, yeah, or was it, it physically uncomfortable? Yeah, it was very uncomfortable. I so I pretty sure for a little bit I didn't wear underwear just because like trying to like if I had a wedgie or something just fixing it it just really it caused me pain um peeing was not it wasn't painful it was weird um as long as I just didn't because you know you're a guy you're just kind of like showing watching YouTube or something your hands down there it's just automatic so weird but it's just a guy thing right so like if I ever like touch it or like accidentally touch it or whatever it really hurt if my if I started sweating, you know, how you, like, your balls with your leg. If that happened and I could pull my leg apart, it just, like, it hurt. So, um, and, you know, you're curious. you got, like, stitch, stitches, you know, on your balls, and you're, like, you kind of want to inspect it and you want to look at it and you want to, like, touch it. Um, don't do that because it, it does hurt. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if I, if I didn't really – Calculated, nothing it was fine i remember like the day after oh, it was like a couple days after um it's just more uncomfortable so like the fishing tournament we had i forgot what week it was on but um because i i stood up all day and it was that that was kind of painful uh just standing because you gotta like lay down but i was standing up all day and i sat down some i just remember it being more uncomfortable than anything um I forgot, I really forgot, like, when I started feeling better. Um, but, yeah, you just can be, like, really careful about your movement. You can't, like, squat down all of a sudden. You can't, you got to kind of take it, like, very slow. Um, but, yeah, I remember it, I remember, like, the first maybe four or five days. It was more uncomfortable than anything, but yeah, if you made like a sudden movement or you actually, oh my gosh, I actually ran into the, the corner of the counter and that I started crying. I'm not gonna lie, it was the worst thing. Um, so don't do that, but yeah, try not to mess with like guys because y'all are listening to this and you gotta get surgery down there. Don't do not mess with them, you can look at them, but do not mess with them. Um, uh, I remember, I, I believe I started messing with them and like the stitching part and actually started getting like undone. So I just kind of like stopped I, after that. I just completely stopped messing with them and I think it, it healed properly, but, uh, just be careful with that. And then once you kind of got that done, have you ever been on testosterone or, or is it something that your body makes enough of? No, so I I think my body, I think I made enough of it. I was like a little bit low, 
So that was one thing that was very hard for me to take because the jail, I used to do jail, I believe, on my shoulders. But I did that for a while. I was pretty consistent with that. I just didn't feel any different. So then we started doing the shots. And then um, I started doing them in my butt. And that was another reason. My mom, I had my mom do them for the first couple times. It was like every, like, at first it was every month. And then we moved to every two weeks. I haven't, I'm not even going to lie, I haven't done testosterone in probably like six months because I feel like I don't need it. I probably do. But like, I've been energetic. I've been like, I work a lot. Um, but I'm feeling better. I, you, I will say when you first start it and then you kind of stop, you do feel, uh, like very slow and lazy. Now, I have really bad memory. I blame it on the concussions. My mom thinks it's because of the the lower testosterone. She's probably right, but um, what? Think, yeah, what's up? What like when? So you were on T, and then six months ago, you decided to stop taking it. And what kind of is it like? Do you feel like it might be like? Are you afraid of needles or is it more of like a, like kind of a consistent thing that you're going to have to do the rest of your life and you don't want to, you don't want to do that? Like what's, what's kind of your, what's going through your mind as far as potentially needing tea or not thinking you need it? Yeah. No, it's not, it's weird. Ever since I was little, I've never been, I don't think I've never been afraid of needles. Like, I'm pretty sure there's been moments in my life when I was little, I was excited to get a shot. And I'm just weird like that. But, um, no, I've never been afraid of needles. It was more, it was just me getting sidetracked because I, I just have a busy life. So if I had more important things to do, I would just forget about it and then just not get around to it. Uh, and that's another thing uh, my girlfriend is really good about is reminding me because she's just, she asked me, like, last week, have you taken it? Well, I haven't taken it up from the pharmacy yet. Uh, pretty sure I got to, like, reorder it. But uh, now when every two weeks she would set a reminder on her phone and she'd call me and text me, hey, did you take it? Hey, did you take it? And then uh, uh, that's uh, one reason I was really consistent about it. And then uh, after that, I just got busy and she – She's she's super busy, so she hasn't reminded me lately. She probably forgot, but um, no, I just it's not more of a consistency thing. It's just like I I'm very forgetful, so I just forget doing it. And then like right now, I could go do it, but then I have to like reorder it and stuff. So is it is it more of like an executive function thing where you you kind of forget to do basic kind of things that. The things that a lot of people say are basic tasks, like um, shower, brush your teeth, certain like certain things, and you have to constantly set reminders for yourself to to do these things. And then, since you haven't really built a routine around, you know, go like there's a multiple process of getting the testosterone, and once you're out of it, you have to like call and make sure, and then you have to you have to constantly remind the doctors to have your prescription, and it's this constant. Yep. It's like this constant thing that you have to constantly do 
and then it's and then that might constantly remind you that you have Klinefelter syndrome and you've kind of just moved on with your life. Yeah, so I think it was me accepting because when I when I really didn't accept that I had Klinefelter syndrome, I still was against it. I was like heavy on testosterone. I was just I was like completely on it. Like, but now that I'm, I don't even. Sometimes I forget I have Klinefelter. To be honest with you, it's just like. It's not a big deal in my life anymore. Like I have it, like so it's a, it's a part of who I am. I accepted that completely. Um, so sometimes I just forget. Sometimes like, oh, I don't need testosterone. Um, I probably should be on it if I'm I am working out more. I don't know if it will help me or not. But my mom thinks the memory loss. Like she'll tell me something, and sometimes I'll have you know what's the hearing. I think we all have that. Um, but she'll tell me something, and then five minutes later, she's like, "Hey, do you load the dishwasher?" I was like, "Wait, what?" And then she's like, "I asked you to." I'm like, "No, you didn't." So stuff like that. Um, like my girlfriend's birthday, right? I have to write everything on a, on notes on my phone because stuff like that you think it would be easier to remember, but like I said, it could be the twelve concussions I've had. It could be the lack of testosterone, I'm not sure. But I definitely should get back on it. Um, I think at this point, I think I'm just waiting on getting a getting a job. But, you know, I have, that week, I have a weekend job. Uh, I quit plumbing. And now I'm trying to get that the job in two weeks and for Southwire. But so I'm just kind of like waiting on insurance and stuff because I don't I don't have insurance when I don't have a job, so I'm just waiting on that. And then once I have health insurance and I can order it, and it's not a lot of money, um, I'll do that. And I, I believe one time we tried to get the self injection pins, uh, just because I didn't feel comfortable getting myself shot. But that I forgot what happened to that. But after I got, cause there's been some times that I've given myself shots in the butt. I don't feel it at all, and then sometimes I make myself bleed, and it really hurts. So I think after I think the last time I took it, it really, really hurt. I was just like, yeah, no. And then I just kind of didn't see it as a priority anymore. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a. I've been doing it for twenty four years now, and and um, it's definitely like most. I'd say like eighty to ninety percent of the time, it you goes in and you never feel it, and it's never an issue but there is like that 10% of the time that you take the needle out and it bleeds a lot, or you like met you, you might hit a nerve area, like an, an area where a nerve is, or it like, there's all these, or you might get like the stinging pain before you do the injection. Cause you didn't let the alcohol dry. So there's these like slant, there's these few times where it like, it does it, something that you're not like expecting and then once it once you have that experience, you're like, I don't want to experience that anymore. Um, I don't want to do that. And then that's when like the needle phobia kind of just like, do I really need this kind of or I don't want to do it. And then you wait like another week or you wait days go by and someone's constantly reminding you to do it. And you're like, oh, I'll do, I'll do it whenever like I have the time. And then you're kind of just like and then you forget about it. Yeah, that I think that that's me. So kind of like, what do you, what do you enjoy doing for fun? Um, and you graduated high school. Um, you mentioned fishing, um, kind of what do you enjoy doing for fun? And then what have you kind of done for work over the years? Okay. So 
for fun. So growing up, I've been very athletic. I've played mainly baseball. Um, people, you know, they're like, oh, you're tall. Did you play basketball? I did. I didn't like it because my coach actually, he didn't have, he didn't let me really do like dribbling drills and shooting drills. All he had me do was getting rebounds. That's all I did. So that, for the, my love of basketball, quickly faded away. So I didn't do that that much. Um, baseball, I was I was actually pretty good at it. I was a pitcher and shortstop. Um, I did that through the Denton League, and I I love baseball. I really miss it. Um, and then yeah, bass fishing. So I grew up my entire life I've fished. Um, I'm pretty sure I have pictures of when I was like two years old. I slept with a pole in my bed. Um, I've just been like really addicted to fishing. I grew up catfishing, crappie fishing, uh, sand bass, stuff like that. And then ninth grade came around, I was homeschooled and, uh, Governor, Governor Abbott released, uh, if you're homeschooled, you can participate and you can do, uh, public school activities. So I ended up joining the Denton bass fishing team. I've never bass fished in my life. I just knew how to fish. Um, I think the first year, yeah, we made state, second year made state, third year made state, fourth year made state. I don't know how, but I ended up getting really good at it. Um, so when I graduated, uh, high school, I had college offers to bass fish. So like my biggest one was down in like West Texas for like 40 grand a semester that's just to fish. Um, I could have, I could have taken that because I went to college and because, you know, I don't know if you know this. So there's major league fishing now. That's the thing. And then there's big, uh, tournaments like the FLW, uh, Bassmasters Classic, stuff like that. I mean, you get, if you win a series of tournaments, you get like 500k, a new truck, a new boat. I guess a big thing now. So I want to get back into that. Uh, I haven't really been fishing lately just because of work and, you know, life. Um, but doing for fun, so yeah, fishing, I love bowling. Bowling, I'm really good at. Uh, really enjoy bowling. Uh, just being outside, right? I cannot be too, so when I had surgery, and I've had surgeries on like my knee and stuff, I've broken some bones. When I'm, supposed to be on bed rest i'm outside to be honest with you i cannot sit inside for more than a day cannot do it um so yeah i grew up outdoors grew up so like me and my dad every year we'll do a survival situation um for a couple of days and that that's a lot of fun love doing that so i'm a very outdoors guy um i love hunting fishing basically like the whole nine yards for anything outdoors, golfing. Um, lately, hmm. life. What? What's up? I said lately, life. Life has taken over jo- yeah. job, yeah. adulting, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Now, I will say, so I have a, a my weekend job. I was telling you before the podcast, my weekend job. I um, so people run out pontoon boats through our company so i'm a boat driver so i'll pick them up at 11 o'clock uh go anchor so either other boats or just 
like by ourselves and then they just drink and have fun and party and dance so that's what i've been doing uh oh and the reason i got the job i forgot to tell you this so i was very like antisocial. um i never went to parties i never like did anything just because like after at home after work i'd just go home and chill uh i'll play rocket league or warzone or something um so I got that job to kind of be more like social, to get out there, meet new people. And now, now I'll talk someone's ear off. Usually I was the guy, like in the back of, if I did go to a party, I was a guy in a hoodie with my hood on in the corner, just kind of like watching everyone. Uh, and that's still kind of who I am, but I'm more social now. And I'm really like grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I'll do that on the weekends. Every weekend I'm on the lake. Um, partying, having fun. Um, but yeah, so that for, so, so what I do for fun, that's basically it. Um, oh, and also hang out with my girlfriend. Like, I'll take my girlfriend fishing. She, she, uh, plays volleyball for, uh, for college. Um, so we'll go and, like, play volleyball. We'll have, like, little tournaments and, um, I'll go bass fishing with her dad. So I just, I, most of my time, I think I just hang out with her and her friends. Um, but for work, so I've done, I've done, uh, ever since I was like 13, I, I mowed people's lawns, which is a very typical young person, young dude job. Uh, and then I worked at a car window tending place, which that was one of my favorite jobs. Um, cause I was 16, maybe 18. I mean, I worked there for two years. So my main job was to, we get a call from like a uh, dealership. I go pick them up, like the car up, bring it to the shop. Uh, they get it tended and I bring, uh, take it back. So with that job, I knew really nothing about cars before that. But now I can like, my girlfriend, she has no idea. Like I'll, we'll be driving down the road and I'll see like this old truck. I'm like, oh, that's an, that's an 87 F250. Uh, and she's like, how do you know about a year? And I'm just like, you know. That job I had really taught me a lot. So I can tell if something is a V6 or a V8, and she just, she's so confused about it. It's really funny. But that job, I've driven uh, Lambos, driven McLarens, Porsches. Um, I've driven really old cars. I drove a 65 Mustang. That's probably one of my favorites. And I'm not talking like down the service road. Like I get on the highway and drive it. And um, so I fell in love with cars doing that. And then after that job, I worked at a Cedar Depot. I was a uh, forklift operator, loading, uh, loading and unloading uh, cedar trees and big, just big trees off trailers, and we'd cut them up, uh, take them through the mill. I did that for a while, and then uh, my the best job I ever had. I moved, so I think when I was nineteen. Oh no, late, late 18th, I moved four hours away from everything else that I knew by myself to a uh, 5,000 acre cattle and game ranch. So when I moved out, sorry, when I moved out there, I thought I'd be working with other people, but I had two bosses because so I was the only one out there. So I lived on the property. Um, I ran 500 head of cattle. Um, uh, every morning I go feed them, do a head count. We had different pastures with like different cows. 
um, and just make sure they're all accounted for. Um, and then some days we, so like one day we herded all of them up and then we had to replace their ear tags. So that was a lot of fun. So like we would weigh them and put them in like different categories. Um, and then they had redo the ear tags. And then the other side of it, uh, was a hunting, hunting ranch. So I learned wildlife management, uh, game management. Um, so we did like surveys of all the deer on the property with a drone at night, which is the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, we just did a head count, see how many bucks, how many does, how many funds we had. And then if we had more bucks than does, we'd choose a few of the, the bad genetic bucks. Um, just stuff like that. And I did that for a year, and then I got a uh, a pi- sorry, what's that pioneer tap house? It was a I was a bartender at night while I was doing that, and then after that, it was really cool, very beautiful place. Uh, I think I got kind of homesick though, which I like being alone, so that was really weird that I was homesick. Um, so after a, like year and a half maybe I moved back to Denton and then I just started doing uh, plumbing I did that for a while I love plumbing but like I told you before this podcast uh, uh, the two companies I was with it was just a lot of bullcrap a lot of bad stuff going on so I quit that but yeah basically I think that's about it so you've worked you've pretty much worked with your hands uh, since graduating high school or even before even before mm-hmm. high school you've worked with your hands you love like your visual learner um just like someone shows you how to do something you you can do it just like kind of like the car stuff it's it's um did you feel like you were missing out when all your friends and stuff were like going off to the military or graduating from high school and going to college and not going that route or were, did you know that you like that route wasn't for you yeah so i actually tried to join the military uh, but you cannot join if you have clan filters. So I'm a guy that if someone says, oh, you can't do something, I'll go and do it just to show them and to prove to myself that I can do it. So I don't like when people tell me I can't do something. So when I try, I try to join the Marines, um, and they looked up clan filters, and they said that uh, I wasn't allowed, well, I wasn't like, I couldn't go into the military with client filters for some reason. I don't know. But the fact that they told me like I couldn't do something really hurt me. But, you know, obviously I can't prove to them like, yeah, it can be. Um, like I passed my physical and everything, but I just, I couldn't go in the military with the Marines because I had client filters. So, because I was going to go when my buddy Caden went. Uh, we were going to go together. So that, that really hurt the fact that I couldn't go into the military just because of client filters. But um, was the college route? No, I, I've i always wanted, I've always liked working with, like you said, with my hands. I'm a visual and a hands-on learner. Um, I love being outside. I probably could never work a desk job. Uh, I just, I love working. So, yeah, when I graduated, so I, uh, when I graduated high school, I actually went into this nine-month program called the GAP program. It's called uh, GAP, stands for God's Alternative Program. And then I 
don't know why I completely forgot about that, but that's also something that helped me accept pine soldiers. So it was a nine month program. It taught like physical geology, life skills, uh, how to work with others and stuff like that. There were six guys in the first year that they did it. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was like in class learning. And then like our Thursdays or Fridays, we did trade. So we learned, so all the guys learned, uh, one month we did, we did welding. We did um, car mechanics. We did. What else did we do? Uh, we did like gardening and planning. So like we went to this like the biggest like nonprofit uh, garden in like Texas, and just did different stuff there. And that's all stuff that all the stuff that we learned there have has been stuff that I've learned throughout my life. So I knew already. Um, and then we ended up doing like this firefighter training. We went to this fire play, uh, fire academy and we did like a training during the day. That was a lot of fun. So we actually had two guys from the GAP program, uh, become a firefighter after they graduated from the GAP program after that. But that, that helped a lot. Um, still in touch with all the guys there. Um, and they, they also helped me. You got five of the guys my age. And then I told them, I, no one knew each other going into this. And then we all became like best friends after uh, the nine months. But we did, I think we did two two days we worked out. So I got pretty fit from that. Um, but yeah, but when you got six guys, well, five of the guys and like your counselors or whatever, uh, I told them about client soldiers. And then they really helped me. Because I think two other guys had, they had two disabilities. I, I'm not sure what they were. But um, so we just kind of like shared what our deal was. And it really just helped me get through kind soldiers. So I did that after I graduated. And then some guys took the college route. I just took the, I'm just going to stay here and work route. Uh, I don't regret it. College is not my thing. I mean, I did really good in high school. Um made like all A's and one B but college wasn't the life for me um uh, just working like like you were saying earlier like I'm just a hands-on guy I love working um I'll probably work until my black my back blows out so don't do that I've, yeah. I've done that it's not fun having a blown out back is not not I I I I've warn you against you're young and you're you have your youth right now and you don't think you'll ever anything will ever happen to you just take care of your back. It's honestly the worst injury that I could have. I would never wish this type of in injury on any of my enemies. Um, but it's, yeah, it, yeah. it definitely sounds, you know, I, I know that you weren't being completely literal with that, but um, it definitely sounds like you've enjoyed kind of the just working, being outside, uh, the hunting, fishing, kind of just the outdoorsy activities in general. And, and, um, it's totally, it's totally okay to know that college isn't for you. I went to culinary school. I never, um, I never went to like a four year college. I just knew that my learning style, what I like to do, wasn't going to align with going to college and, and the, the drinking, the partying, the, all that lifestyle, which just wasn't my, um, my lifestyle either. So kind of in, in like closing, what um what would you say out there to like other guys that are kind of going through or struggling um or like newly diagnosed mothers um that are having kind of Kleinfelter, like what would you say by just sharing your story today? Yeah, so I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. So a lot of people like 
it's like a relative passes away. They're like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be okay. No, it's like when you first find out about sun filters, I'm not, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's gonna suck. It really is. It's gonna be very hard. You're gonna feel alone. You're gonna feel just kind of. Here, give me one second. Sorry, I'm, I'm in my sister's room because it's quiet. She just got home. I know. Just give me like 10 minutes. Okay. okay. I appreciate it. So, um, sorry, what was the thing? Oh, you were just saying like, um, you know, what would you say like in closing um, to like other guys out there and other other families and you were kind of saying how it's it's hard like once you find out? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's gonna definitely going to be hard. Um, but it's something that you will overcome. You will get better. Um, so yeah, I just, I mean, this sounds super cliche. Don't give up on yourself. Uh, you're going to kind of see yourself as an outcast. Um, that's how I saw myself. And then I kind of, over time, uh, through friends and family and my girlfriend, I kind of saw that crying soldiers isn't really a disability. It's really just a part of who you are. And once you accept that, and once you um, get through that, you're gonna it's you're gonna be a lot happier. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if y'all want my number, I mean, can I give my number over the podcast? Um, I can add it into your. I can add your social. All what I'll do is I'll add your social media. Like, what's your what's your Instagram? Uh, it is Potato Nugget Twenty Four. Okay. That, that's a good, that's a good contact. I just don't want, um, and then anyone that contacts you through that or anyone that reaches out through the nonprofit, I can always give them your personal number. Um, okay. I just don't want you, you, um, your phone will blow up if, uh, if, if you give your personal <laughs> number and it might be, it might be like an extreme amount of people and you won't be ready for it. I mean, I mean, all right. well, I, I can, if, if you want to, you can, or if you have like a email, I, I mean, you check your, you check your Instagram pretty often, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll put your stuff in, in the, in the bottom of the, the, the nonprofit. Um, we just get a lot of spam too on a lot of our stuff. So I don't want your number being taken, um, and used for other purposes, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, but yeah, that, um, that I mean, that's a, that's a good message, man. I, I really appreciate you just being so willing to like, I was waiting for this moment for the last few years and, um, I knew it would come. I didn't realize it would come this fast. And I'm really proud of you for like from the, from deeply inside, you know, my heart, like I'm really proud of you and, and all the other guys that have shared their stories and put themselves out there and know that like, you love to help people and you want to give back to this community and you want, like you see all the work that your mom's doing and you want to be a part of that. It's uh, you have no idea how much good this will do for so many people. Yeah. And I appreciate you having me on. And like I said, if someone, if y'all want to get uh, reach out to me, um, yeah, like I said, I've, I've accepted it. And uh, if I can just help other people that, that would be, that would be amazing. So, yeah, I appreciate you uh, having me on. Of course, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You have a good one.